0: Bye. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical LibroCubicularist podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the LibroCube. Ah. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lackadaisical LibroCubicularist. Today, my friends, is Book bow Wednesday. When you tell your friends about Book well, Wednesday, you're really going to want to hit those lees. both and but Wednesday. On that note, if you like what you hear, of course, by that I mean this podcast, not the sort of ambient sounds within the room you are in, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes because that is what helps podcasts grow. Something I like to say to cover my ass like so very, very much underwear at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. Folks, please take heed of this warning. It will be the one and only spoiler warning. I can almost guarantee it. Almost. Our last piece of podcast-related business, is today's sponsor, in which I have a double sponsor! What does it mean? Rose the Haberdashery and Barry's China Mobile Home Buffet. Once again, today's sponsors are Rose the Haberdashery, as well as Barry's China Mobile House Buffet. Thank you to them. Very, very much appreciated. Trying to get through my preamble very, very quickly at the top of the show because I have a lot to talk about and I would like to potentially get this done on the way to work. Wish me luck. Again, it's going to have to be that sort of time-traveling luck in which you are listening to this and wishing your luck back in time to the point now where I'm recording it. It's all very, very confusing. However, uh, as I like to mention from time to time, my car is the same color as the TARDIS. So, that helps. Today's book, in this Book of Bow Wednesday episode, is, if you're following along, not a surprise, because the previous book of Wednesday was for Stephen King's The Shining, and the reason I decided to do that is because back in September of 2013, he released the sequel to The Shining called Dr. Sleep. Aha! Thank you, Mr. King, for doing so. Right off the bat, we should say, and when I say we, I'm using the podcast we, that this book, despite being the sequel to The Shining, is radically different. Way, 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 way different than The Shining. Is that necessarily a bad thing? It only is a bad thing if you went into this expecting the sort of exact same storyline-ish from the first one, which I wasn't because I've read a lot of Stephen King, and I know he doesn't often tread the same ground like that. He likes to mix it up a bit, and this certainly mixes it up. We do have, once again, Danny Torrance, the kid from the first one. Oh, uh, I also wanted to mention uh, at the top that this sequel is the sequel to the book and not the sequel to the movie because the book... In the movie, as we know, again, the podcast we, and hopefully you listen to that episode, radically different. So, for example, Danny, at the beginning of this book, is hanging out, chillaxing with Scatman Crothers. Yeah, aka, what the hell is his name? No, it doesn't matter. He's just sort of at the beginning of, at, of this book. Uh, the beginning of this book starts basically a couple of weeks after the events of The Shining, and we'll only sort of tread that ground very, very shortly until we eventually reach a point where Danny is older. Older and, like his father, is an alcoholic. Damn it. He thought that wasn't going to happen to him, but uh, it's in the genes, I guess you could say, so he has been traveling around, uh, I guess, the Midwest, not the Midwest, New England, I meant to say and uh, really needs to get his shit together. He kind of hits rock bottom, as you do when you're an alcoholic, specifically an alcoholic in a fiction, you're always going to hit rock bottom, and uh, ends up in this small town where he takes a job at a sort of an old folks' home, hospice, they call it there, because the shining that he has in him, for some reason, I don't really know why, gives him the ability to help old people sort of travel from this life to the next. Mm. So uh, he uses that ability to kind of make up for the wrongs he did over the course of his binge drinking as an alcoholic. Like this story kind of starts when he's a kid, and then we check in with him periodically over the, the years. But the main story doesn't kind of get underway until he's, I guess, like in his 40s. In his 40s, and finally is introduced, let's say to a young girl by the name of Abra. Abra, who also has The Shining, however, has it, like, times a 100. So picture how, let's just say, powerful Danny Torrance had The Shining in the first book, and then add many more Shinings. She's very, very bright, this girl. And then they sort of almost psychically, at first, get to know one another, until we reach a point where Abra using this ability almost inadvertently comes across some nefarious plots. Nefarious plots involving people, and I'll put people in quotes, who are going around America in RVs, recreational vehicles if you prefer, and uh, kidnapping children. Kidnapping children who have this shine, have this psychic ability. The reason they do that is because they're... Kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, but not technically vampires. Vampires of shine. Shiny vampires. Sparkly vampires? No, that's a whole different retarded thing. And uh, Abra, sort of, uh, I guess the kind of way you could look at it, astrally projected herself and witnessed one of these kidnappings and killings and torturings of this kid. Uh, that had a couple of repercussions. One of which is that these vampires of this group, this group called, did I say already called the True Knot, uh, sensed her presence, or the leader did, rather. So the leader's sensing of her presence now meant that she knew, existing within the U.S., because she could kind of sense where this astral projecting is coming from, Exist a, uh, a young person whose shine is so, so incredibly large that it could keep this entire clan of, uh, again I'm just going to keep calling them vampires although that's not technically correct, keep these vampires fed for potentially years, which is something they kind of need to do and look into for the reason that they're running out of food. These, uh, these folk are combination of running out of food, which means starving is looming in their in their future as well as they are getting sick. And this is sort of the first time in their incredibly long history. Long history to the point where some of them are going back to, like, I don't think it's the Middle Ages or the Renaissance. Some of them are very, very old, like vampires. Anyways, they never get sick, but they're starting to. For example, this kid that they just sucked up, that Abra witnessed had, apparently, I'm going to boil it down a little bit, had the measles. So, uh, years pass, and some of their members are developing the measles. Now, the measles in a normal human being, it's not great. The older you get, I think the worse it is. However, in the case of these true-not-vampires, it kills them. Yeah, You, you start getting measles, that's your death sentence right there. They do believe, because of Abra's strength of shine or as they call it, steam. Uh, Yeah, for some reason, they call it steam. Abra calls it shine, whatever. Same, same difference. They believe that if they suck out her essence, uh, this will not only give them food for years, but cure their measles. Uh, So kind of a strange little, how do you do there? The leader of this True Knot, very, very cool uh, character cool bad guy to have for this book her name is uh rose the hat uh her name is rose and she wears a top hat on a jaunty angle (laughs) this uh it's funny this sort of on a side note that i can picture quite easily this rose the hat being a good uh cosplay for girls to do because she's very well described in the book and i bet you there's some fan art out there of this rose the hat that looks pretty cool Yeah, I like that idea. Interesting. That's my nerd cane getting involved in this book Wednesday. Why don't I plug myself? If you Google nerd cane adventures, you will see just what I'm talking about. So Rose the Hat, on top of being this sucker of psychic energy essence, is the leader of this group. This group who, because of their age, is super, super rich. Of course, evil. Evil? Evil? But, and it's hinted at a couple of times, especially near the end, that when you think about it, they're just doing this because they need to to survive. If they don't do this, they all die. Survival of the fittest, if you will. So that pops up a couple of times, which seems strange because it's almost like Stephen King was trying to make us sympathize with them. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Abra's initial sort of psychic touch with Rose the Hat happens, and then a couple years pass, and Rose has made the decision that it's time to go after Abra. Abra? Cadabra? (laughs) Yeah, that should be her last name. It wasn't, though. She senses that this is going to happen because just so crazily incredibly powerful. Clairvoyant, psychic, astral projecting, telekinesis. She's got a shit-shit ton of powers. So, what they decide to do is set up a trap. Because they know these people are coming, Abra uses her ability to make them think she's going to be sort of out in the middle of nowhere for a picnic. She is not actually there. She's just using her brain, uh, sort of broadcasting out the thought that she is there so that these vampires go to this isolated area and then are ambushed by Danny Torrance, uh, Abra's father, as well as along the way, we meet up with some friends who kind of help us. They're secondary characters who, uh, if you read this, you will like them very much. But uh, for the purposes of our speedy, speedy talk here, don't really need to get into exactly who they are. So there the plan goes off almost without a hitch. Abra is captured. Yeah, uh, one of the guys saw through the ruse or potentially did and ends up capturing her. She does escape, which sets it up for a sort of final showdown. A final showdown where Abra, who's got some cojones on this girl, taunts Rose into a, well, final showdown. Yeah, as you do. Really gets her riled up, calls her a coward repeatedly. And this, as far as fictional characters in books you do not want to mess with, Rose the Hat is going to be pretty high on the list, so the fact that she taunted and cajoled her into this meeting mano a mano, pretty ballsy, pretty, pretty ballsy. Where is this final showdown going to take place? Well, the True Knot has several bases located throughout the United States, home bases. They travel 90% of the time, but sometimes they need some time to rest, kick back and relax. That's almost human of them, really. One of those places that they were apparently drawn to is a little place called the Overlook Campground. Uh, The Overlook Hotel, if you recall from my previous talk, is where The Shining took place. The Shining, where in the book, it burnt down to the ground. And apparently, in the rubble, once it was cleared they created a campground, a campground that was sort of eerie, I think is a way you could put it, that drew to it this true knot, so they would periodically stay there for the reasons that its evil presence would almost sustain them. Uh-huh. So Abra says, this is where we're going to fight, on your own turf, because you're a coward and I can fight you anywhere. Meh. Uh, this is where... It was smart of, and this was kind of Dan's idea, Dan Danny Torrance's idea to get Rose riled up for the reason that they were going to use the exact same trick they already did use, and that is Abra actually stayed at home and sort of projected herself into Dan's body, making the True Knot think that uh, she was coming for him, when in fact was not. Hmm. Part of the agreement for Abra to come and fight was that all the members with the exclusion of Rose had to be, uh, sort of, not locked, but stay in this one building. Now, that set it up for Dan coming. Dan, who, as I mentioned earlier, had the ability to help the elderly pass on to the other side, had within him the, again, we'll just call it essence of, for lack of a better word, of Abra's recently deceased grandmother, who he unleashed this essence on all the members, with the exception of Rose, all the members of the True Knot that, in a sort of red mist, killed them all. Yeah. A bloody massacre from a ghost that was inside the body of Danny Torrance that he unleashed on them. That is what killed all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Fucked up. It's a fucked up idea. How do you come up with that idea, Stephen King? Craziness. That means all of the True Knot are dead. Some have scattered prior to this because they didn't believe Rose was going to pull her shit together, which it turns out they were right. Just kind of remnants. Some of them had the measles as well, so that's pretty much that for them. The very, very final showdown is between Dan and Rose the Hat. Now, Dan is powerful as far as people with The Shining. However, Rose is much, much, much more powerful. So she comes incredibly close, cliffhanger-y close to killing Dan at the end of this book. Abra intervenes a little bit, and that helps, but even that is not enough. Sort of the only thing, that sort of final straw that saves him and kills and helps in the killing of Rose, because she does die, uh, comes about in a very, very cool way that's it was one of those moments in a book where you're reading it, and literally, my jaw dropped. My, my mouth, it opened up, and and my jaw went down downwards, and I was like, like I'm, I'm doing it right now. Wait, maybe you can hear it. Can you hear that, the sound of my jaw dropping? Probably not. Anyways, that's what happened. Because, in the nick of time, right when he was needed most, Jack Torrance... The ghost of Jack Torrance, Danny Torrance's father, who, in the movie, played by Jack Nicholson, pushed, or helped to push, rose off a cliff and kill her. So the day was saved by Jack goddamn Torrance, the ghost of him. That, uh, I, I did not see that coming, which I, I suppose I could have or should have. He died in the first book uh, at this exact location, basically, where this fight is happening, so getting him involved does make a sort of sense. I loved it just yeah uh okay so how about i give out my rating of this book um it's not scary uh that's one thing i did want to mention if you if you're going into this after reading the shining which i did mention was very scary you'll be disappointed on that front however uh i love the sort of supernatural mixed with everyday life kind of things that stephen king quite often treads into. So I think I'm going to go five out of five. Five out of five, if you like that sort of thing. If you are looking for scares, uh, I'd go maybe even just a three out of five. Well, if you're looking for scares, I'd potentially go less than that. Because there's there's not really any scares ever. Which, in a Stephen King novel, I guess is... It's more suspenseful than scareful. Okay? Oh. Okay. Folks, we did it! Yeah, that is a book... Wednesday done on the way to work just as I had planned yay us because I couldn't have done it without you in the sense that if you're listening to this you're a part of it you're a part of it that's why I would love to hear from you please tweet at me jordan underscore maywood or email me to the address provided in the closing credits would love to hear from you on any and all subjects however if you want to let me know if you read this book and what you thought of it, we'll put that at a number one subject that I would like to hear about. That will, of course, leave the final thing to say, which is... Shit, I was going to stop and get a coffee, but I forgot to. It is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We're here in the Liberal Cube. would love to hear from you. is yet to come, come the day you mine. Live long and prosper.